I always wanted to go to Tennessee, but I knew my temporary. I was like, yeah, you probably not going into bed, Tennessee kid. <laughs> like it was just mm-hmm. like I didn't really sell myself dreams to be disappointed. I would just roll myself to say like, all right, well, if Colorado is where you're going to be, then make the best out of Colorado. Don't dwell on the fact that you didn't end up at Tennessee because I feel like if I would have dwelled on that simple fact, then I wouldn't be who I am today or I wouldn't have taken the moment that Colorado has been for me um, Mm -hmm. and invested and got the most out of it that I have. So I think early on, just being real myself to like, yeah, your dreams are your dreams. But at the same time, how can you still make your dreams a reality, even with the opportunities that are presented to you? Welcome back to Sometimes I Hoop. Today, we've got a true veteran superstar on the pod. Quick, humble brag. She led Colorado to an epic Sweet 16 run last year, recently hit her career high 34 points against Utah, collecting Player of the Week accolades left and right this season, not to mention all while working on her second master's degree. None other than Jalen Sherrod. Thanks for hopping on the pod. No problem. No problem. So excited to have you here. Before we get started, I mean, the ultimate finesse. Can we go back to you getting two master's degrees during your time at Colorado? What is that about? Well, when I initially signed here, I knew I wanted to leave with a master's. I didn't think that I would finish my undergrad in three years. And there was a lot of grind going into that. I was taking like seven classes a semester at one point. Jesus. But when COVID happened, I switched to all online and that really worked out for me just in terms of being able to really focus in on um, school and also had surgery going into the spring of 2021, I think I want to say. So I was able to take a higher load of classes because I wasn't really focused on ball at that point in time. So it just all worked out. And then last year I finished a master's in leadership. And then this year I'm doing one in criminal justice. So, I mean, dang, honestly, COVID, COVID was horrible as we know, but like in terms of school, Zoom, you could really knock out yeah. like a bunch of units yeah. quick. Yeah. No problem. It was, it was nice. Yeah, it was nice. I remember at, at Stanford, it was all like pass fail for mm-hmm. one quarter and it could go towards your major. Mm-hmm. Best believe I had all my math classes that quarter. Everything was happening. Yeah. Um, it was wild. Yeah, I had the but, bachelor um, social psych class. Yeah. It was not looking. <laughs> that was the time to take it. For sure. For sure. But diving into current basketball news right now in the college landscape, mm-hmm. you guys started non-conference play with a bang, to say the least. Mm-hmm. So you upset LSU in Vegas. Let's talk about it. You had 19 points, six assists, not even a close game. What was what was the game plan or mindset like going in to play the defending champs? I feel like anybody who knows us know that we're like, we go into those games with a lot of energy and a lot of like. Oh, I know. (laughs) (laughs) I know. We go into those games with just a chip on our shoulders and it was a good opportunity to prove like, you know, we was bringing everybody back, a very veteran-led team who Mm -hmm. just kind of was left with a bad taste in our mouth after our Sweet 16 loss to Iowa. So it was just a good opportunity and it was just, you know, we, we walk into every game just with a fearless mentality and, um, we knew on paper we wasn't supposed to win. We knew on paper nobody had us winning. So it was just like we took that and, and we went into it with just, you know, playing our game, doing what we do, being tough, being aggressive, and, and just looking to take it to them. Yeah, well, I mean, I know from playing you guys, y'all have a different type of energy, yeah. honestly. Yeah. Like, it's it's unparalleled. And I feel like your Sweet 16 run really kind of propelled you guys into the spotlight that you are now. Because it's different when you're in the pack 
you only, it's really only West Coast people watch the games. And so they're always like, oh, how good are they? And I feel like everybody in the pack respects you guys so much that now you're getting the national respect Mm -hmm. that you guys have deserved for a while. But back into that LSU game, after the game, you got Shaq coming in, you got Candace coming in. What What did they say to you guys that, you know, that really resonated with you heading into the rest of the season? Yeah, I think we were just a surprise to them. More so because, like you said, not a lot of people really see Pac-12 teams and know what we're all about until March pretty much is when, you know, we are finally seen on a national level. So I think Shat talking to Arinette was huge just for her confidence, just for her to, like, mm-hmm. you know, finally get the recognition she deserves because Nettie's always the one that, you know, she comes in, do a working, Nettie go home. Like, she just, it's business. And, um, yeah. she, like, she never changes her emotions. She's very steady. And that's just the type of player she's always been. So I think that was a real boost for her confidence. And then Candace coming in, just talking to the team and giving a shout out to Coach Jay. Just really show like all the work we've been putting in. At first it was just to be good, but now it's to to be the, one of the best teams in the country. So I think it just goes to show this the work we put in, the build that this program has been through the past couple of years. And it just meant a lot in terms of for the people who's been here for so long and, and really been, you know, pushing and grinding for this to, to be the reality of our situation. But we always had like that underdog mentality of we still got more to prove. So that was just how we took that game onto the rest of the season. Yeah. I mean, speaking of that underdog mentality, you guys started preseason rank, I believe 20. You know, is it difficult to, because you've been there through Colorado's ups and downs. Mm -hmm. And so you've been kind of that pillar that's kept them going to get them where they are now. So do you feel like it's kind of hard for those younger players coming in? What is that like with all the differing kind of experience levels in the locker room of where they've all been? So how is that for you as a leader this season? Yeah, a lot of people talk about our veterans, but don't realize we brought in seven new people too. So Mm -hmm. um, it was kind of polar opposites and trying to bridge that gap between the two was huge. And then we added two transfers too, one from Mizzou and one from uh, Michigan who had their uh, success at their own programs before coming here. So it was just really bridging the gap. And I think we were very intentional about the things we did over the summer and in the off season to try to bridge the gap to know like like I like I said before it, though we worked so hard to be good but now it's time to be great you know and that's I think yeah. that's the mentality that we all had to have and switch between like we're not going to sneak up on anybody anymore we're not going to be that team that you know people go in and don't really know much about but at the same time like we haven't won any championships we haven't really etched our names in history books in terms of bringing a championship Pac-12, Natty, whatever the case may be, to Colorado yet. So I think Mm -hmm. that's just more so the drive at this point. Because, I mean, when I came here, we was like eighth, ninth in the pack to now being on the top end of things. And it's just like you still have more to do. You still have more to accomplish. And I think always being grateful but not satisfied is kind of the mentality that we had to kind of instill just not in – the newbies, but us too as veterans, because like I said, we had grinded so hard to be good, but now it's like, all right, we are good. You are a good team. You got that respect, but now it's time to be great. What makes you the 1% out of the 20 that is good. So I think that's the mentality we just had to take. And I mean, it's, it's hard to keep that, especially when you are a top dog. It's Mm -hmm. like, how do you keep that pressure on yourself that you have to continue to be top dog. Mm-hmm. So headed into Pac-12, this is your highest ranking so far. Mm-hmm. And so now you're a team with your target on your back. You talked about that mindset of balancing still being an underdog while also teams rise to the occasion. So 
is the conversations about, you know, having the Pac-12 title, is the conversation about, you know, being that top dog, having the underdog mentality. How does it kind of work just like balancing all the different expectations that you guys haven't really had before? I would say, for one, it's not really, in a sense, it's not about the future yet. It's just about being great today. I think Coach Jay does a great job in preaching. It's about being 1% better today and what you do in your present will pay off in your future. So I think that's kind of the mentality that we take. It's not about what happens when we get to Vegas. It's about what we do now. But in overall, from a, a general perspective, I like I said, I'm always an underdog. I always take the underdog mentality. So I don't think preseason we're projected to win. I don't think, you know, anybody really has anybody being UCLA right now. Um, and I think the mm-hmm. same can be said. Even the Utah game, like that was a it wasn't like an outright Colorado's gonna win decision. So I think mm-hmm. nobody really like knows just how good we are yet. Just because, like, we got challenges night in and night out. I mean, look, I mean, Arizona, you know, it was a one-point game and so forth and so forth. So I think it's just all about taking it one day at a time and being focused on what your next opponent is rather than looking at it from a general perspective. And I think we all do a pretty good job of just focusing in on what's in front of us. Being a fifth year, too, I took this whole season into I just want to take every moment for what it is because I, I, I'm i doing my last moments at this. Like, that was my last time playing at Arizona. That was my last time at Arizona State. Yeah, so yeah. Just really taking it It's like it a farewell in, tour. Taking it in to say, like, all right, you know, and we had never swept the Arizonas at their place either. So we're still doing a lot of firsts, but at the same time, just taking each moment for what it is because we only got Cal and Stanford once this mm-hmm. season too. So it's like, all right, this is your last time really getting to go against them. I mean, you don't know what happens in March, but just yeah. taking it time to time. Yeah, I mean, I think what you said about Utah, right? They're a great team, but people are like, oh, Colorado's going to whoop them just because of how good you guys are, whatever. But I think that's the beauty of the Pac-12 is there's really no off games. Even when you play a team like Arizona, who is in top 25 right now, that literally does not matter. They're going to give you everything that they have. And so I think every Pac-12 team is so strong, and Mm -hmm. I don't think people get that. Even when you play teams like Calvin Stateford had to battle against WSU and Washington. It's really top to bottom. But with conference play in action, you guys have started out hot. And like you said, sweeping the Arizonas and Utah, 34-point career high. So, you know, it's not easy to get 34 in Utah. Mm-hmm. So what what was was it coming to you? Were the shots fallen? Did you know you had to take over? What was that game like? Honestly, going into that game, we had talked about our starts because we had been starting off kind of slow. And um, having to crawl our way back out of some games um, to get the victory. So we just talked about that. And um, I mean, you know me, I say if I'm not the most energetic and passionate player on the court, I'm not doing my job. So I kind of took that something that I needed to be better at for the team. And so against Mm -hmm. Utah, I think I just came out with a lot of high energy. And for me, people talk about the points, but it wasn't like an offensive, like, set or things that were just being ran for me then that's why I was and shots were just falling it was just out of being aggressive I was just pushing the ball Mm -hmm. I was just pushing the pace over the years you know you grow and you mature in your game and know like people are going to go under you because you're you if they go on top you're probably going to blow by them so then working on the pull-up game working on my mid-range game stuff like that Mm -hmm. just opening game up for me across the board so I think more so it was just attribute a lot of the success in that game to our energy and just how we came out and specifically like I made a complete effort to come out fast, come out hot, come out 
just with a sense of urgency because uh, you get down against Utah, it's very hard to come back, um, especially mm-hmm. with the offensive powerhouse that they have. And so I think that was just more so the mentality of just, you know, wanting to come out fast and put us in the best position to where we could weather their runs because Utah's going to go and run. They, it's just what they do. They can come down and hit you for mm-hmm. three straight threes in a row and it's just like, whoa. <laughs> it's bound so to happen. Think, and it's different people. Um, I think it's just, you know, having that mentality and knowing like they're going to do what they do. But at the end of the day, it's more so about how we come out and the energy that we set the tone with. So I just wanted to set the tone early. And I think that's what led to a lot of success throughout that game. Yeah, for sure. I think that you've always been that player for Colorado to set the tone, not only with your skill, but like you talked about, the passion and just the energy that you bring. It's like not only your teammates got to match it, but being an opponent of you for four years, we got to match it too. Like we got to, if you're not there, it's not happening. Mm. And so I think what you talked about is really, really, I mean, true. And, you know, Utah, it could be McQueen hitting a three and then Peely and then Vieira. Yeah, like to, it's across the board. Ben, like, whoa. Like there's 10. no stopping. <laughs> and like All two. of a sudden, and they're not slowing down. Right. And so, I mean, Utah's a great opponent. And then Arizona was a close game. Mm-hmm. And like we talked about earlier, even though they're not top 25 right now, I don't think that takes away from their talent, but also just they're very well coached. Mm-hmm. And similar to you guys, I think that they really pride themselves on that energy that they bring. So I got to watch that game. It was intense yeah, from the was, jump. You know, what can you say about Arizona and just the strength of their program right now? And I feel like people are kind of overlooking them mm-hmm. just because they don't have that ranking and yeah. they're not the powerhouse that they've been in recent years. Well, for one, Mikhail is a hard, hard place to play in because they have mm-hmm. a crowd behind them that, you know, you don't really see a lot in women's basketball. And it's very, as an opponent, Going into it, I think you can look at it from both perspectives, but it's very it's welcoming and unwelcoming at the same time. I like to think about it because yeah. it's welcoming because so many people are coming out to watch women's basketball. It's unwelcoming because that is another opponent that you have to face. <laughs> and they love them some idea. Yeah, and love it's just them. like especially when they go on runs, it gets loud, it gets deafening. You can't hear you, you can't hear the mm-hmm. play calls, you can't hear your coaches. It's very deafening. Um at times, especially when they really get going. So I think that overall for their program, though, I mean, they're a young team, Mm -hmm. and I think that they're going to figure it out. I talked to Gilbert and Williams after the game to just say, like, those two really will be the head of where their program continues to go, and, you know, they're they're moving in the right direction. It's always fun to look at where you once were to where you are now and then Mm -hmm. be able able to appreciate, like, you you were once that kid where I know, like, for me, it was Mignon Moore talking to me. It was Keanu Williams talking to me after games mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So it was just fun to see how you come to be the old head now. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's it's really, it's really like full circle. Yeah. You're like, oh, I, I'm that guy now. Yeah. Like, I'm supposed to be instilling wisdom yeah. when it, in reality, I know when I was in that position or still now, it's like, I'm still figuring out myself. Yeah. But all of a sudden, you're looking to me for, for help. I'm like, I'm just trying to get through yeah. the day, man. Yeah. I don't know what to give you. But I think they're going to be great. I think they're going to be great. They they come with a lot of intensity and they come with a lot of just fight. That team fights. I think, I mean, we played them with seven to eight kids and they all fought. So I think that's just a testament to their program. You know, when you go against Arizona, you're going to get high pressure, defensive activity, and that's just what they're mm-hmm. going to come with. And they pride themselves off getting you to turn the ball over and getting easy layups and transition and stuff like that. So I think they're going to be great. And I think once they all get healthy and once they all come together, they're, they're going to be a dangerous team. 
Yeah, I agree. And I mean, just kind of talking about sleeper team, somebody like in Arizona, players that you, you played against a lot of top players this year and a lot of good teams. Mm-hmm. But do you feel like there's been kind of a player under the radar that you've maybe been surprised by or doesn't get enough like spotlight in the national light in terms of just how good they are? Um, it's a couple people. Okay, list them off. <laughs> List them up. Give out more than one shout out. I think the Arizona State they gave us about 33 or 34. She's nice. I think That'll she's do really it. Nice. Um, <laughs> um, I think like even Arinette, I look at Arinette as somebody that flies mm-hmm. under the radar, but she's just so dominant. I think you don't realize that until you play against her, but for her to be able to move the way she moves, the smoothness and grace that she plays with is just, you know, yeah. it's, it's different. I've never seen, I mean, other than maybe like Peely, Mm-hmm. You you really don't see bigs move like that and be that efficient because yeah. she's not even really like that tall <laughs> either. Yeah. Um, but she just puts a lot of work in and, and she's really good. Uh, who else would I say? You got me thinking about the people I played against. <laughs> <laughs> well, well I- I'll talk about Arinette while you, you give me one more. Okay. I think being able to play against her. Cause she started at Arizona, mm-hmm. but I also played against her in like club mm-hmm. when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. And so to see her development of where she started to where she is now, it's actually insane. Even just the jump from last year to this year so far, yeah. she's a completely different yeah. player. She's extended her range, you know, like you talked about just her footwork around the rim, her finishing, learning how to use the size and strength that she has. Nice. I think it's really making her a beast this season. It's nice. It's just, um, I mean, it makes you, and she runs the floor so well, too. Yeah. That, like, mm-hmm. even I said against when we play Utah, like, she opens up so much for so many other people because you have to pay her attention. And most people have to double her. So then yeah. you're doubling off shooters or you're doubling off people that you can't leave open either. So that gets free to the game going. Or she's running the floor. Mm-hmm. You have to worry about her in transition. So that opens up slices. I mean, she just across the board is one of those players that you know just draws so much attention that it helps everybody else on the team so i'll give it to her and i don't know i wouldn't say Powerpaw's still kind of mm-hmm. underrated but i think being at south carolina now has really allowed people to see what she brings to the table and i've always had a yeah. lot of respect for Powerpaw just because of how she comes to the game and she's actually a really good person for most like she's so nice she's so nice (laughs) and so I think just seeing her do well at South Carolina especially when she was so dangerous at Oregon and playing against her for so long just really uh you you see a lot of people get their flowers that has always kind of deserved them in the pack I think Oregon State too is as a team or, or sleeper teams right now that that was my next question. Aren't, aren't paying attention to that. That was my um, next question. Tell me about OSU. I haven't really watched them that much, but from playing them last year to seeing like they're all healthy and they're all um, just wrecking havoc right now. I think they lost to yeah. USC by two. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and it was close with UCLA, too. Yeah, and Reagan Beers, you know, uh, she she's going to be dominant. And, she's and a monster she, down she's there. She's going to be one of those dominant post players. She was a problem as a freshman. Mm-hmm. So, um, a problem. Yeah. So, <laughs> problem. she's going to definitely get better and, and keep grinding on that part. So, I think Oregon State overall in the pack I would have is my sleeper team. Just yeah, they're, they're I would agree with you. They're dangerous. Yeah, I think like Reagan, but then you take into account you got Talia, 
just like pulling from uh, 40 as feet always. as soon as she crosses half court. Yeah. And I'm like, girl, give us a chance to set up the defense. Right. What are we doing? <laughs> and so she's doing that. And then I think another player for them, um, AJ Marat, I think she's oh, really come along and she's kid. more consistent yeah. for them in a score. Yeah. So I think they have a lot of good pieces. And playing them every year, especially at Gill in Corvallis, their fans are there mm-hmm. every mm-hmm. dang game and mm-hmm. they are loud. So I think OSU is definitely a sleeper, but kind of moving into your guys' season again and your team, I mean, you guys were one of the top dogs leaving last year after your Sweet 16 run. And so I feel like you guys created a lot of buzz about yourself, but Mm -hmm. also the tournament in general Mm -hmm. had a lot of buzz talking about just visibility, the viewership numbers, all those different things. Moving into this season, do you feel like trying to kind of, you know, carry that momentum of women's basketball? Is there a added pressure or expectation that kind of women's basketball as a whole has to live up to with your performances on national TV games and everything like that? I wouldn't say it's any expectation that wasn't already there. I just think Mm -hmm. it's being seen nationally now rather than those who are experiencing it. So I don't really think it's, I mean, you're going to go out and play your game no matter what. And I think, especially being in the pack, the teams you see in March are the same teams that were there in January and February. People just didn't see them. So I think mm-hmm. overall, it doesn't really change the expectation. It's just more of a, you have more eyes on you. So more people are, are finally seeing the game from a, I guess, a general perspective versus just, yeah. you know, catching the championship game at the end of the season. So mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't, I don't think it's any added pressure, but I also don't view a lot of things as pressure type situations. So I don't yeah. know if I'm the best person to ask in that sense. But um, I think what Caitlin Clark had a triple double last week or, or mm-hmm. last game. She had that same triple double in November. <laughs> like it's no. Yeah. yeah. She's still playing the same game she's always played. It's just more so more eyes are on her now and more people are paying attention. But I don't think it really changes the intensity or the passion or just the overall game that, that we're playing at right now. I see that. I don't think women's basketball so much is changing because it's always been that same skill level. Mm -hmm. Like you talked about, it's really just people tuning in all year long because now that they've seen these players and how good everybody is, now they're like, oh, snap, let me tune in. I can actually watch more than March Madness. Mm -hmm. Oh, my gosh. It's like amazing to them that there's the rest of the season going on. Diving into what we were talking about earlier a little bit, just with like people getting love in the pack specifically, it's kind of like... You know, people who know, know. But if you're not in the pack, it's like you don't know how good these players mm-hmm. are. And so I'm going to run you some names. Okay. And Uh-oh. I want you to <laughs> – No, no, no. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. I want you to give me just like a quick two bullet point of like a scouting report or like Uh-oh. a hype around, around how – Can't be taking the Maybe not the scout. <laughs> maybe not the scout. Maybe not the scout. But like, you know, what they do well, something mm-hmm. special about them. Mm-hmm. Give, give them their flowers okay. like we were talking about. Okay. So we'll start off with Kiki Rice at UCLA. I think this is good for me because I think people think I'm just so intense and so fiery you all are. the time. And I'm you like – You are. I'm really chill. I really appreciate people's games. So I think this is okay. good. Kiki well, Rice. You know, let's see it. Kiki Rice, I think she does a great job in managing the team, especially coming in as a freshman and having to manage such a dynasty-type program, too, at UCLA. Mm -hmm. I think she did a great job of that. And I also think she does a great job of learning her teammates. You could tell she put the work in to learn her teammates, to know what they do well and how to put them in the best position. So I think she really embodies what a point guard is. Mm -hmm. 
Okay. That was good. Okay. <laughs> Next one. We were talking about Arizona earlier. Mm. So we're going to do two for Arizona. Okay. We can do Jada Williams and Kaylin Gilbert. And then you take it in whichever order you want to do. Williams, I say, uh, just the fire she plays with reminds me a lot of myself. Um, yeah. Um, you can tell she's really passionate about it. She's a, that emotional leader already for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think overall, too, uh, just a good teammate. You could tell she pours a lot into her teammates. Uh, Gilbert, uh, I don't know if I've ever, I would, I, from just what I've seen, she's more on the quiet side. But I think she's more of that, like, silent assassin to where, like, she just knows how to maneuver within defenses and, and within how you guard her to still get what she wants out of it. So I think she's nothing but a sophomore. But knowing that early really allows her to progress her game in the future. So I, I see big things for both of them in the future. I agree, especially your point about Williams reminding you of you. Mm-hmm. I think that points on the money. And then with Gilbert, I just remember last year, like she wasn't really big on our scouting mm-hmm. report because they have so many weapons. And then she came in the game and starts getting buckets. And I'm looking over at our bench, like, <laughs> what, what's the scout? What do you what, what do you want me to do? Right, like, right. It's always those ones. Right. And so seeing her now have a bigger role, yeah. I think is really cool. Yeah. And then my last one is I've known this girl's a bucket since the first time we played her, but. Miss Gianna Nipkins, Nipkins. Mm-hmm. However, you say your last name, girl. You, she's a freaking bucket. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no ifs ands buts about it. Mm-hmm. So, tell me about Gianna. Um, it's funny because I actually talked to her after we played. Um, just wishing her the best and wishing her recovery. Yeah, recovery. But um, I would say she she's one of those that she just reads the game really well mm-hmm. in terms of how you play her because you you want to play her aggressively, but at the same time, you just have to be smart with it because. Utah's offense in itself is very intricate, but at the same time, Mm -hmm. um, she plays so well within it to where, like, if you overplay her, she's going to backdoor you. But you get caught up in overplaying because she can shoot the ball so well, so it's just like pick your poison type thing. But Mm -hmm. I think um, once they get her back, you know, I think Utah is going to be in a great great position, especially with her being part of their future. So, yeah, I think, yeah, yeah, she's just, she's just tough to guard overall because she can do so much. She is. She is. I just remember we played her as a freshman and we had Anna Wilson guarding her Mm -hmm. and I'm like, okay, already props to you, Miss Freshman. You got a Willie guarding you. You're a bucket. And I remember she hit this like mean step back behind the back three and Anna just looked at me and she was like, Yo, <laughs> she's tough. I yeah, like, she, okay. is, she is. First of all, stop letting her score, but <laughs> we get it. Give her her props. But a little bit more about you. Let's let's take it back to your roots for a minute. Mm-hmm. So you're from Birmingham, Alabama. Mm-hmm. Tell me how you got into basketball. If it was always basketball, did you play other sports or how did this kind of come about? Basketball was the only sport I would say like I went full out with. I was the only girl in my neighborhood, so... My neighbor right next door to me, he had three sons and they would always be in their backyard playing basketball. And then I had a neighbor across the street because I stay in like a circle. So we were Mm -hmm. all pretty close with each other. My neighbor across the street would also come over and he would play with them. And it got to the point where I would go outside. And I don't necessarily know where playing basketball with them came from. I can't remember. But I would always Mm -hmm. be in the backyard playing basketball. My mom would always look out her window because her window faces their backyard. Uh Um, And one day my uncle saw me outside and he told my mom that you need to put her in organized basketball. She's really good. And so I think that was about second, third grade maybe. And so from there... Basketball was AU tournaments all the time, like nationals, yeah. all of that. 
But then, um, yeah, I also ran track in high school, but I more so did it to stay in shape. <laughs> it wasn't really uh, mm-hmm. something that I just was fully invested in. Um, and my high school team needed an 800 meter runner, and I don't, oh, God, I don't no. know how to run <laughs> an 800 to this day. I can tell you, I ran that race completely wrong in terms of just fundamentally. Oh, but I yeah, that up, thing's horrible. <laughs> yeah, it was the worst thing I ever did. <laughs> But I ended up getting second place at state for it. I never really had a thought of running track. I'm sure I could mm-hmm. if I fully committed to it. But oh, I'm I'm sure you could. I'm sure you could. <laughs> but yeah, so other than that, I don't think I did anything else. I made the softball team, but I didn't like the dirt, so I didn't really invest in that. I really hated. Yeah, just I just wasn't a fan of that. And then um, my mom put me in karate early on, very early on. Wow. Um, just as a way of like something to do. I was the only kid too. So it wasn't like I had siblings running around that I could yeah. play fight with and, and, and bully <laughs> and stuff like that. So I was, uh, so you uh, took it out of class. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but that was pr- pretty it in terms of sports background. And I, I actually get that a lot. Cause my mom, my mom is fully academic, like no mm-hmm. sports really. Um, so everybody's like, where did you get your athletic background from? Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, i just been doing it for so long. Because, um, yeah, nobody in my family really. My uncle, my uncle played basketball and he was pretty good at it. But other than that, I really didn't have a lot of sports background or even, you know, my mom traveling with AU was her first time doing anything like that, too. So mm-hmm. he was kind of figuring it out together. Well, I mean, it just sounds like you were just killing it. You said you didn't know how to run the 800, but somehow we're second at state just doing it, which is which is crazy, well, I didn't do by anything the way. I sprint the last part, I guess, where everybody got tired of it. <laughs> I just sprinted it because I jogged everything. Taking off. So, yeah, it was like, I know I fundamentally didn't run it right, but yeah, then, it, was, it was just time to go. Yeah, it was like. You're like eighth right wow. now. You're not getting eighth place. You didn't come down here. <laughs> Can't place, do that. So. Can't do yeah, that. And I think I lost wow. to a kid that ended up going to Alabama for track. So, Oh, yeah. so that's not yeah. bad at all. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, good. you're fine. Okay, so track star, hated softball because of the dirt. <laughs> I get it. But so who was kind of those players that you watched, that you modeled your game after? Was there anybody like that? Kid you not, my favorite basketball player growing up was Candace Parker. Okay. Looking back at it, just how dynamic she was at that time and how, like, she was everywhere. All you saw when it came to women's basketball was Candace Parker. So I think she was. Um, just that. And then growing up, I always wanted to go to Tennessee. Like, Tennessee was mm-hmm. dream school. I don't know what it was about it. I don't know if it was, like, the orange or whatever. I was like, yeah, I got to go to Tennessee. So I guess that's kind of the relation to why I watched so much of Candace Parker growing up. But I will also say Maya Moore was pretty heavy. Mm-hmm. But for me personally, like when I got old enough to like when I was really invested in basketball and taking it serious, Morgan William, who played at mm-hmm. Michigan State, um, she's from Birmingham. Yeah. And I okay. used to play basketball with her little sister. And so in terms of like looking at somebody around my size who was just dominant on the court, who was just a leader for her team at Mississippi State, was really who I looked at to say, like, you can do it. Or mm-hmm. this is somebody who is around, who looks like you, who comes from the same yeah. city as you, and you can really do this and you can really, you know, put yourself in those shoes and start to envision it. Because once you see it, 
especially seeing somebody from your own city do it is kind of yeah. um, it makes things a little bit more attainable <laughs> so oh, for um, sure especially just like a kid looking at the imagination looking at where you want to get to and goals to set in life so i would definitely say uh morgan william for sure uh yeah i remember watching her especially when she, she made that shot she against was amazing duh man that what? was crazy crazy the whole city but, was I mean, on one. yeah i bet i would have been on one too that was crazy yeah. um but i think just it was really cool to watch a smaller guard like that make the impact that she did in a variety of ways and i think a lot of times smaller guards maybe get put into a box mm-hmm. of only being like a pesky defender this mm-hmm. and that she was still getting to the rim she's finishing over people twice her mid-range was her crazy size. And she's like, the midi was crazy. And it was like, she's still getting her shot off. And I think, too, even looking at it from a bigger perspective, I think that Mississippi State team, once they beat UConn, made women's basketball more of a. It wasn't just UConn anymore. It wasn't just. Yeah. Yeah, they were the powerhouse. And yeah, they won all these snatties and they went four in a row, I Mm -hmm. think, and all of this other stuff. But it made them seem more human. than mm-hmm. what you would think. So I think just, like I said, seeing that and seeing her being somebody who was a part of that really just made everything more realistic. Up until recently, it was really kind of like what you're talking about. I think it led into kind of some of the viewership is because people are like, it's always the same teams at the top. It's the Stanford's, mm-hmm. the Tennessee's, the Yukon's every year. So it wasn't as exciting for the average fan to just watch because Mm -hmm. you're like, oh, I know who's going to end up winning. But I think nowadays, because there's so much more talent and not everybody wants to go to a powerhouse, they want to make their own name somewhere else. Women's basketball is so much more exciting because it's like, you really don't know. You have people like you bringing a team like Colorado back into the main stage. People just everywhere, you know, you take Angel Reese and throw at LSU and they used to be a powerhouse, but for some years they weren't really on that same level Mm -hmm. and now they are. And so I think just around the country, you have different teams stepping up into the limelight, Mm -hmm. which is really exciting. So I think that that definitely just, you know, really goes along that point that you made about Morgan Williams. It was definitely part of that momentum change. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But I think more about your upbringing, coming from Birmingham, Alabama, and you talked about Colorado was your only Power 5 offer. Mm -hmm. So what was that process like dealing with maybe not having the most exposure and trying to be noticed by these bigger schools because you always had the talent? But I think a lot of kids, it's like, how do I find that exposure? How do I get to that court Mm -hmm. where all those teams are playing this and that? So what was that recruiting experience like for you? Um, Honestly, it was tough. Just because, like, I've always bet on myself and I've always known, like, I tell this to anybody, like, on paper, I know I'm not the best shooter. I might not even be the best passer that night, but at the end of the day, the intangibles are something that you don't get with everybody that you would get with me. Mm-hmm. It's not about talent for me. It's just the simple fact that I will outwork you and that's how I'm going to win. And I think early mm-hmm. on, obviously, I didn't have that perspective and mature mentality of of recognizing that but at the same time it was just kind of like I was also real myself like I always wanted to go to Tennessee but I knew my temporary I was like yeah you're probably not going into bed Tennessee kid <laughs> like it was just mm-hmm. like I wasn't I didn't really sell myself dreams to be disappointed I would just rule myself to say like all right well if Colorado is where you're going to be then make the best out of Colorado don't 
dwell yeah. on the fact that you didn't end up at Tennessee because I feel like if I would have dwelled on that simple fact, then I wouldn't be who I am today or I wouldn't have taken the moment that Colorado has been for me mm-hmm. and invested and got the most out of it that I have. So I think early on, just being real with myself is like, yeah, your dreams are your dreams. But at the same time, how can you still make your dreams a reality, even with the opportunities that are presented to you? So it was tough early on, but at the same time, knew how I was going to win. It was doing the dirty work. It was outworking people. It was being able to play 40 minutes at the same intensity and passion and not dying off in 20. Like It was just like I knew how I was going to really set myself apart in this thing. So... I think just sticking to that and knowing who I was and being okay with that early on really set me up for success. I think all in all, 16, 17-year-old Jalen was salty, but 22-year-old Jalen is like, man, you you made the right decision and it worked out for you. So, I love that. I feel like you had like four or five mic drop moments in that. Like going from knowing who you are, making your dreams a reality. Like I'm taking mental notes right now. <laughs> that was really good. Wow. That was inspiring to me, Jalen, honestly. I appreciate it. But no, you're completely right, especially on that point about like, it's so hard, especially in AAU when you're younger, to not compare yourself to other people's mm-hmm. journeys in your life. Definitely. I just beat her. Like, why does she have this and I don't? Or, you know, my team is better than their team. Why are they a Nike Nationals team? Just all those little intricacies. It's very hard when you're 16 and 17. So mm-hmm. I think us now being those, well, you being that old head in college basketball, like you, you, it's easier to understand yeah. those things. I mean, I get that now. It was like, why'd you stay at Colorado for so long? And it's like, mm-hmm. nobody else wanted me. Why would I go somewhere? Yeah. Why would I go take what I've built for myself and what Colorado has become and take that somewhere else that had that same opportunity, but then take it. And maybe that's me just being still salty at the end of the day and wanting to, you know, really prove that, you know, a lot of people missed out on something. But um, yeah. I guess at the end of the day, it was more so like you don't find, cause I, it, I didn't even play high basketball in my high school, um, my senior year of high school. I played like 12 games because I had the hip injury. So then that also caused a lot of people to drop off or a lot of people to be unsure about me. But, you know, Colorado, they stayed true and true throughout the whole process. And it was like, I just don't see myself leaving that to go somewhere else too. Because a lot of people don't really realize the grass is not always green on the other side. It's really not. Facts. Um, Yeah. Especially like having so many friends everywhere else and hearing, you know, how people experiences are why people transfer from this school that you're like you can't be talking about the same school that I you know think or what I thought was was what it was you don't really see that as a reality until you hear somebody who experienced it so this place has been a blessing to me and I want to finish where I started and I committed to leaving this place better than I found it and they were loyal to me so I'm gonna be loyal to them too Yeah. I mean, and you've done that. You've turned around the program in a very short amount of time. And so talking a little bit more about Colorado, you get to Colorado. It's a very different place from Birmingham, Alabama. Mm -hmm. How was that culture shock? Not just culture shock, but also did the altitude hit you? Because let me tell you, every time we come, it (laughs) slaps. (laughs) There's no if, and, buts about it. Like it's, it's crazy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. um, I kind of prepared myself, my trainer, Actually, a couple months before I had to um, report 
came out here on a like mountain ski trip or something. And he was like, you have to, we got to get you a mask and we got to get this working because I couldn't breathe and I was skiing. You're not going to be able to <laughs> breathe playing basketball out there. So I kind of prepared yeah. myself from that instance. But I wouldn't really necessarily say I had much of a hard transition just because simply I'm an only kid. So I wasn't really leaving so much that I felt like I couldn't get here behind. And like my mom's always been one of my biggest supporters, my trainer. I talk to him all the time still. So I really Mm -hmm. didn't feel like I was leaving a lot behind. And also I had to grow because once you've been in a place for so long, Going 22 hours away from home is a big commitment, but it was something that I I felt like I could survive and I would be okay. So I wouldn't say more so transition-wise, it wasn't as difficult as I think people would assume it would be for me. But I would say in terms of just culture-wise, it's totally different. It's a little little, um, different now, especially with um, Dion being here and that whole thing that changed the whole spectrum of what Boulder looks like the past year and a half. But um, before that, I would say other than the snow, I really have no complaints. (laughs) Other than the (laughs) snow, I I really don't have any complaints. Like I I, I literally woke up this morning, we got back from Arizona and I was like, it snowed last night. And I completely had no idea it was supposed to snow. And I I had an appointment at 10.15 and then you have to wake up maybe an hour before you even have to leave the house just to like wipe your car off snow shovel the driveway so it's not that Mm -mm. that part's not fun but other than that it's not too bad and the snow actually wasn't that bad it's it's pretty melted now in terms of like roads and and driveways and stuff but it does catch you off guard when you're not prepared and i was not prepared this morning (laughs) yeah yeah that'll really do it because i'm a cali kid so i've like I'm one of those people that's like, oh, I've been to the snow like once or twice. When we go play at Washington State, I jump in the snow every year. Like that, that's how it was. But throw it way back. Adding into your freshman year, did you have nerves going into freshman year? I know I did. So like, what was kind of your mindset changing from Mm -hmm. high school basketball where you hadn't gotten to finish your senior season, heading into now playing in one of the best conferences, having a good non-conference schedule? What was that like? It was different. It was different because I didn't really get the typical freshman year, my freshman year, because um, Mm -hmm. the point guard graduated. So Mm -hmm. it was me and then Sila, who was also a sophomore. So we were both Mm -hmm. two young kids um, (laughs) coming in, just trying to figure it out. I joke around with JR all the time. Like, you really threw me in the fire at 17. And I just didn't. Yeah. I don't know if I appreciate that. I do now. (laughs) But at the time, I was like, I thought I was going to come in, get some weight on me, you know, learn the ins and outs, be able to just kind of coast through. No, Mm -hmm. it wasn't like that. I mean, my first Pac-12 game was against Oregon when they had Sabrina and Satu and Ruthie. And we lost by 60. We lost by 60. I kid you not. That'll do it. And it it was the whole crowd and they were screaming. They were yelling the song, shout at you. And it was just like that is so that is so stressful when you're I there. Like, oh my god, this this can't be real. This can't be real. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but mm-hmm. at the same time, I think after that game, a reporter came to me, and I think my mentality didn't change. I said they still got to come play us in Boulder, and I think yeah, just taking that mentality of like yeah, they're good, but it might not be now, but I'm gonna one day be that be be where I can 
we're not losing by 16 mm-hmm. to Oregon. You know, I think that same year uh, we played you guys, and that was the first time like we had actually competed, and it was at Maples, if I'm not mistaken. And I had, like that was the first game. Yes, <laughs> I remember. I wasn't there because that's when I had my knee injury. And so I remember watching from home and I was yelling at the TV the whole time. (laughs) And I remember so specifically, cause you had, that was like, I don't want to say, well, you have to tell me what your coming out game was, but I remember you dropped like, 21 that game. Or yeah, something. we went to overtime. And I remember, we went to overtime. Ugh. Yeah, and it was. Like, I was yelling at the TV, somebody stop her in front. Like, I was pissed. And I think that moment for me was that moment where, like, it kind of changed the mentality of, like, yeah, Stanford's human. And I think yeah. with that, we just really built off of that year to year to year. Mm-hmm. And I think I, I would say that Stanford game my freshman year was the, I guess, shift in myself as a player to just be like, like, you can really go out here with not being the best of the best, not being the five stars, four stars, and still be able to compete with these people. And, like, they're yeah. human. I think that's where the mentality of they put on their practice jerseys the same way you put on yours. They lace up their shoes to get ready to play. It just made everything more realistic and more human. And I think mm-hmm. from that point on, it just kind of gave me that, I guess, chip on the shoulder to say, like, even though you coming from Colorado, who I think the year prior was the last team in the pack, you can really mm-hmm. build off of this. You can really, you know, take what you have and be successful for what what you have. You don't need what everybody thinks you need to be successful. You can really be successful where you're at with what you have. And I think we just yeah. make the best out of that, knowing that, you know, Colorado is a hard place to recruit, especially kids around the nation who don't grow up in the snow and don't have to deal with it. Like, it's a tough place to sell, especially even if you're a city kid, it's a tough, it was a tough place for me because I'm like, I don't hike. I don't <laughs> go in the mountains. I To this day, I've never been up that mountain. I just don't. It's not oh, jeez. I have, like, taken pictures, but it's not like I'm not going on an actual mm-hmm. hike. Too. So I think Understood. it's just in terms of finding people who, who are willing to commit to this and willing to come here um, and taking that and say, like, you know, we're, we're going to make the best with what we got. And I think that's really what we pride ourselves on. And I think that's really why all of us, not just myself, all of us have that chip on our shoulders. And I think that's what makes us all special is we're all motivated from being that underdog to say we can really make a change here and we don't need all the things that are typical for success to be successful. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. I mean, just the turnaround that you made talking about your freshman year, you guys were three and 15 in the pack. Mm-hmm. And then last year you went 13 and five. That's a pretty crazy change. Who knows just the improvement that you guys are even going to have this season. Mm-hmm. It's really crazy to see the turnaround. Yeah, But yeah, I remember watching y'all when I was sitting at home freshman year and I was like, they're good. Like every single year, people would always ask us whether it's Paxful Media Day or just random mm-hmm. questions. They're like, oh, who's an underdog? Colorado. <laughs> uh, yes. And then to see what you guys did last year in the tournament, made it to the Sweet 16 for the first time in like 20 years, mm-hmm. 21 years, mm-hmm. beating Middle Tennessee and then upsetting Duke at Cameron is crazy. Mm-hmm. So just kind of like, just you specifically. How does it feel to know how big of a part you were, even though you're not from Colorado, you're kind of like a CU legend now. So like, how does that feel for you to just understand the gravity that you've had in the program that you've really helped be kind of a cornerstone of turning it around? 
Um, I want to tell you so bad to ask me when the season's over because I don't really. <laughs> well, I will. I will text you and ask you. <laughs> I don't really look at it like that right now just because I feel like yeah. I still have so much to do, even though I have so mm-hmm. little time to do it. But I just knew at the end of the day I wanted to leave this place better than how I found it. And whether that was showing other five, six point guards that you can shine at a place where you're not supposed to or you don't typically yeah. fit in. Because I wouldn't even say I'm the typical Pac-12 point guard. Or just saying, you know, you can be yourself and still find success. You don't have to, you know, fit the criteria and fit the mode that everybody else thinks you have to have to be successful. Mm-hmm. So anything like that was kind of the goal. I was telling um, Cindy Brunson the other day at Arizona because mm-hmm. she was mm-hmm. like, you didn't want to go to the WNBA. And I was like, I didn't. I was like, I'm going to come get my degree and I'm going to go to the military. That is the plan. <laughs> and I literally uh-huh. read an article that I did when I was 17, a freshman coming in here after my freshman year. And um, it, I clearly said, I do not want to go pro. I don't. It's not just, it's not the end goal for me. I want to get my degree and then do forensics within the military and just to see how that's changed. Just because at the end of the day, I wouldn't necessarily say my career was for me. It was more so to Mm -hmm. show other people that you can do it and you don't have to have all the glitz and glamour to be successful. And if I could, you know, motivate other people that comes from my situation or even motivate other people in Birmingham, Alabama, who, you know, Birmingham's not a typical women's basketball. It's all football. Yeah. Alabama's football all day, every day. Mm -hmm. So just... um. Being able to show kids from similar situations from my neighborhood that you can go out and still be successful as long as you, you know, work hard and, and figure out your way of winning. Yeah. That was that was pretty much it for me. I didn't really see what we are now as being yeah. my end goal or reality once I finish this thing off. So it's cool to see overall. Um, and I think just testament to everybody that I've played with and everybody that's been a part of the program over the years of just saying, you know, everybody, even small transfers, whoever came through, even if you were only here for a year, you set a mold that mm-hmm. people can continue to build off of, including myself. Yeah. And so it's just like those people who took the time out to draw a plays with me before practice or those people who, you know, took time out to be like, this is what it looks like. And this is what we are, and this is how we're going to come do it. I just look at those people as the ones that really set the foundation for me and for everybody else. And I hope that I'm setting that same foundation for the people that come here after me. I think what you said is really powerful, just about not only, you know, kind of like being that representation that you didn't always have growing up Mm -hmm. in terms of the five, six point guard doing what they're doing now. And then, you know, having Birmingham putting on a map for more of a women's basketball hub, all those different things. I think especially what you talked about in terms of like the transition from high school to college is very hard already taking into account new friends, social life, Mm -hmm. school is a whole lot harder, Mm -hmm. but then also just like, you have to pick up a system in high school. You could go out and get a bucket I know I would eat a Twix before a game and go drop however many right. just live in the life. And then I pull up to Stanford and Tara's like, you need to learn one through four. And I'm like, huh, girl, please. And so it's a right. lot to learn. Right. And so 
I think it's just, it's a lot of balancing that you have mm-hmm. to do. But I think it's weird now that, you know, you're the old one on the team and I was old one on the team last year. It's like, how am I supposed to be instilling all this confidence, telling them this when I still mess up the plays every now mm-hmm. and then, and I'm supposed yeah. to be the captain knowing everything. When I mess up a play, oh my God, it's like the end of the world. Yeah. It's, it's a yeah. whole thing. It's a lot to deal with. Your season this year and last season, just the growth. And I know last season we had that double overtime game last year, which I, I think so I sick. like literally. I was so sick. <laughs> I, was I so wanted sick. to talk about. I wanted to talk about me and you, and I feel like I've always respected you so much as a competitor. Mm-hmm. And then over the years, getting to chat more after games, before games, whatever, joking around, really coming to respect you as a person as well. So I'll give you my first impression of you. And then I'll give you time to marinate and okay. think about yours of me. Okay. Because we didn't know each other at all yeah, until yeah, like, I don't know, sophomore, junior year. So my first impression of you, Jalen, was me watching from my couch, icing my leg, <laughs> watching you on TV, get my team 20 ball. But I think what I've always really admired about you as your game first is like you talked about earlier, the passion, the drive that you play with is really unparalleled. And that energy that you bring to the game, because every time I knew I was going up against you, I was like, okay, because I'm usually pretty cool, calm, collected out there. I just be jogging around, sprinting around. It looks like a jog, but I swear <laughs> I'm trying. And I'm just like, you have to match her. Like you have to meet that. Mm-hmm. You have to meet that intensity. Otherwise, you're not going to compete. And so, learn seeing that. But then also, year in and year out, your scout changed every single year because of how much you improved. Which I think not a lot of people can say. I think a lot of people will just kind of plateau in college and not continue to elevate. And so you see a lot of those four-star, five-star recruits kind of dropping off by the time we hit to junior, senior year. And then as a person, I think from a competitor point of view, you see how much you mean to your team. And so I think that only speaks to your character as a person. Mm Because like playing against you, we could go on a run. Y'all could go on a run. It doesn't matter. All I hear is in your huddles, you say, t- come on, da, 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 da. like you're getting them going and you're talking to each of your teammates in a different manner to get the best out of them. Mm-hmm. And so when you talked about Kiki and her ability to like learn her teammates and how to put them in the best positions, you do the exact same thing. Frida, Aranet, mm-hmm. Quay, Tamia, every different player that you played with and who you have on your team now, I think it's really special to see how they all look at you. And I know for you, and I was like this too, I was like, I'm I'm not even like that. I just be out there doing the thing. Like it's hard to give yourself that that grace. But from an outside point of view, I see how your teammates look at you, how they come to you when they need you in times of need. So that that's my little giving you your flowers that you deserve. Yeah, I, like I said, it's funny you say that because I feel like for most people who don't really get to know me. They're like, oh, you just seem quiet off the court. Because I really am. Like, on the court and off the court, I'm two different people. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've always kind of been that kid that'll sit in the back of the class with AirPods in, with a hood on, and don't really speak. But then I get mm-hmm. like, but you're on the court and you're so energetic and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I don't know what really turns it on and off <laughs> when it comes to basketball. But I really appreciate that because I just think, like, most people see the basketball side of things. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, you have to be. And I was like. I live downstairs of my house with my dog and I sit in my room (laughs) nine times out of ten. Oh, my God. But, no, I would say that initially I was like, this girl is 6'2", point guard, 
Who about the guard? <laughs> because we because on uh, we would do like scouting stuff. And we would set it up and we were like, "Well, she's the point guard, but she'll also post you up." And I'm like, "So what do you want me to do? What are we gonna do here?" <laughs> um, especially, but I would say more so anything that I've always really admired is just how poised you are. Because I know, like, even we've had a lot of close games, and I just feel like yeah. it was always like steady, calm. We need to score. Okay, I got it. I'm about to go post this five, six kid up. <laughs> we gonna get a bucket. But no, seriously, I would just say, uh, just really poised and really like. I feel like to the point of not really being able to be a freshman at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that you went through injury, but even coming back from that, um, it was kind of always the ball was in your hand, and it was always like, you know what you're gonna get, but it's like you really can't do anything about it. So I think that's one thing um, that I've actually had to learn too, is just how to be steady, especially with this team now and being one of those top dogs and always getting everybody's fight. So I think Mm -hmm. that's one of the biggest things that I've seen. Even looking at you in the league, it's like, Mm -hmm. she's just steady. She's just going to give you what she (laughs) just going to do what she do. And you do it very well. And I think, that's a testament even, like I said, I mean, on the, playing against each other for so many years, it was just always that. And I, I don't think, like, coming in as a freshman, that's just something you naturally know. So the fact that that mm-hmm. was something that you came with is just a testament to just the work you've done and, and just the maturity that you have. I think that a lot of people don't really come in with. Ugh, so sweet. <laughs> so heartwarming. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Oh, so oh, goodness. I need a second to take all that in, <laughs> but I'll just turn it back to you so I can have my moment. Um, so last year, crazy run off the tournament and you decided to come back for a fifth year. So what was that? Was that decision kind of like unfinished business? Did you know you were going to come back for a fifth year or what was that process looking like? It was a lot of thought that went into it. Not more so in trying to leave Colorado, that wasn't a question. I I knew like it wasn't a team in America that I would rather play for. It was mm-hmm. more so at the time, just family. I'm really close with my family. I have a big family and I've always been big on wanting to be able to play in front of my family. And even last year, I would say it was a pretty successful season for me, but I wasn't really sold on the pro-life yet mm-hmm. or it wasn't really like no, you can really do this. You can really, you know, go out and get a chance to do what a lot of people don't. Because at that point in time, I had also graduated with my master's. So mm-hmm. I was like, I'm content. I had a sense of peace of what I had done here. And I was like, if this is going to be my last, like playing basketball on such a stage, I would rather do it at home. Yeah. Um. So I think that's more so where the thought, of deciding to come back or not came from. I I had so many like stories like, oh, well, this person said that you could go here and with NIL and, you know, just with so much Mm -hmm. of what was in our game now, um, you have more opportunities and blah, blah, blah. Like, it's not that that's going to sell me. I don't really care about it. Yeah. That was the case I would have left a long time ago, to be honest. Like, if that was what I was about (laughs) and that's what – the, the popularity and all of that was for I would have left a long time ago. So it wasn't that. It was more so like a just genuine sitting down, talking to my family, 
it was my mom and grandma actually who really sold me on coming back because they were like, like, go chase your dream. You have an opportunity to go play for, you know, a place where you love and a place where, you know, your coaches or like your second family and your teammates are like your second family. You have an opportunity to go do that again and, and do and go even further than what you did last year and just put myself in an opportunity where this probably won't be my last year playing basketball on on such yeah. a competitive level too has just kind of made it more enjoyable because like I said I didn't really it wasn't that I didn't think I was good enough it was just more so like it's only 144 spots kid are you going to make that team or not and I think just set myself mm-hmm. up for the success of thinking like no I can really compete and make try to reach my goals and reach dreams that I never even you know saw being possible yeah. out of all of this was kind of what changed the I guess mentality so, yeah, no, I mean, I think from an outside perspective, it's really cool to hear because I feel like I watch all these things from you from a distance, but then actually getting to hear just like how the trajectory at Colorado changed a lot of different things in terms of not only the Colorado program, you as a basketball player, but also what you want for your life, mm-hmm. going pro, doing these different things. And so just to hear those different changes and the different intricacies to everybody's different decision making processes, mm-hmm. it was more than just basketball it's where I want to play the loyalty to the program all these different things giving up being closer to home I think it's it's really cool to hear Mm -hmm. and just more about you we've talked about being a five six point guard I'm the opposite (laughs) six two point guard so there's there's different I know I have a lot of pros and cons to being a taller guard Mm -hmm. it's a big con is having people like you pick me up full court Mm -hmm. very annoying Jalen by the way (laughs) anyways what are the pros and cons of you being that five, six point guard? What do you think is hard? What do you think gives you that edge? Also, one of the top things that's hard is when you actually blow by your initial defender mm-hmm. and you have the decision to like go to the rack or dish it off. And it's like, if I go to the rack, I'm probably going to get blocked. But if I dish it off, they're also so long. Yeah. That they also tip the ball out, even though it's necessarily open, but because you're just five six, <laughs> you yeah, you yeah, get yeah. into trouble a lot of times. So I think learning how to read that or or get the secondary defender off balance to still be able to give to what you want to get to has always been mm-hmm. tough just because you like you can't change height. It is what it is. I would say Stanford for sure. T- Stanford and Oregon State, y'all two really taught me how to finish over taller. <laughs> because I remember last yeah, year with yeah. the with the double overtime, like I like at one point we were down by two and I had to finish over Lauren and Brink and I was like, Whoa. Now I, I don't know how that went in. I still to this day don't know how that shot went in. But it was just Girl, like, me either. It was this. <laughs> What? I was upset. It was just like, man, like you just have to learn like angles and stuff that you might not necessarily, especially with me and being so fast as well, learning how to change mm-hmm. speeds um, was very hard. Yeah. Just because like it, just having to read all of that was something that I never mm-hmm. had to do and I never did naturally because I came into college a past first point guard. So I was like, I was cool with just assists. I didn't really have to score much. I mean, defensively, if I got to still got to breakaway layup sure but like with our offense and having the ball in my hands so much it was just a learning process of learning Mm -hmm. how to still get to what I need to get to but how to do it in a way that isn't 100 miles per hour so I would definitely say that was just hard and new 
to learn and it's still mm-hmm. a learning process today with learning like how people are going to guard me. But I would say uh, pro, definitely being fast is, is always <laughs> is always fun. It's yeah. always it's always good. <laughs> um, that I would say defensive intensity is something that I've mm-hmm. always prided, prided myself on. And also, I wouldn't necessarily say this is a pro for myself, but being in a system that allows you to kind of pick your poison makes my game, I guess, easier for myself in terms of yeah. if I have Frida on the right side and Maddie on the left, it's like, who you going to help off of? Because Frida. Frida, Frida. <laughs> I'm just going to pass it in the ball and it's, it's going to go up and you're going to mm-hmm. get three. Or if, you know, as a big in transition, I'm coming down the lane, but Aaronette's standing right there, that's a, just a dump off layup. So I think yeah. being a, I would say overall for myself, reading the game is mm-hmm. something that I think I'm pretty good at just because, like I said, I have so many weapons around me where it's like I know if I put Nettie and Frida in screening actions, you're going to have to pick one or the other. Because <laughs> um, yeah. either you're going to yeah. help off Frida take away Nettie or you're not going to help off and you're leaving your post player on the one-on-one with Aaronette. So I think reading the game is something that this team has made easy for me to where I think will also translate in knowing how to read your teammates and knowing how to use them as pieces to be successful as a team. Yeah. I think, yeah, I, I like the pros. I, I have some of those pros, not all of those pros, <laughs> but I think talking just a little bit about your game and we talked a little bit about how you elevate each year and those different pros, like, learning the change of pace and the the court vision and this and that, learning how to work out of the prints and offense to what works best for you and your teammates. Mm-hmm. What do you think heading into this year has been the biggest change in your game? Honestly, working smarter and not harder. Because I'm a very mm-hmm. hard worker and I'm a very like get after it type of kid. But I also had to learn like in getting older too, you have to put yourself in the best position to where – like, even looking back at my old film, I would sometimes be out of position because I'm working so hard. Mm-hmm. And it's not the effort. The effort's there, but the position yeah. is off because, you know, you're exerting so much effort to try to get a steal or something like that. So I think learning, like, the game in terms of the X's and O's versus mm-hmm. just depending on the athleticism to be there. Because yeah. your athleticism will, will bail you out. But it also gets you in trouble sometimes. So I think learning that Mm -hmm. and also just learning, like, to pick my spots more. I think this year I've been a lot more aggressive on the offensive end than I've ever been. And I think Mm -hmm. that just comes from learning how to pick your spots and learning. Like like I said, if I got Freed on the left and Maddie on the right, it's kind of like you have to be aggressive within that space mm-hmm. because if if you're never aggressive they're never gonna help off of Frida or they're never gonna Thanks. help off of Nettie um yeah or if you're not you know pushing the ball in transition to get Koi at the trail spot you're never gonna get her defenders to drop because you're not mm-hmm. pushing the tempo so I think learning the X's and O's really is something that I've grown at. and I think also like I said learning how people are gonna guard um, mm-hmm. Going on the ball screens and being comfortable to hit the mid-range pull-up, you know, every time somebody goes under. Because at that point, if if you let them keep going under and you're not going to do anything about it, then it works to their advantage. Yeah. So um, being able to, like, you know, be confident in that. And I think Coach Jay and 
Matt, who's another coach on the staff, really pushed me in the offensive rim to really be confident or even my position coach TK is always like you pass the ball for layups every time and you can just take the layup and I'm like all right Mm -hmm. so just like being more aggressive to know my aggressiveness will open up everybody else and vice versa like I said earlier Nettie's aggressiveness and running the floor like knowing how that all works together and that we all have an important part to play in helping each other be successful for what we do well for sure it's something I would definitely say grew and has evolved and continues to evolve throughout the season. Yeah. And I think that specific skill or mindset really comes with maturity as well. Like as a freshman, I know for me, I was very much just like, what do I need to do? Right. Okay. Pass me. Okay. Now I need to score this and that. And then as you get older, you get more familiar with your system and your teammates. It's not always, well, most of the time it is the way we think, but it's like not always, how do I get my teammates in the best position? But it's also, you know, I'm not going to get Frida her three. I'm not going to get this person her three. If I don't drive by my defender a few times, I need to go get mine before I can then distribute and Mm -hmm. do what I like to do Mm -hmm. and get everybody else theirs. So I think it's definitely maturity to have that mindset. Mm -hmm. But talking about some of your teammates like Aronette and Quay and Frida, you are very much the face of Colorado basketball right now. But like you talked about, it wouldn't be that without the people surrounding you and what you guys are together. Mm -hmm. So I mean, Aronette, she's a bucket and she had 20 in the tight win against Arizona. Last year, she was most improved in the pack. And then, I mean, I've known Frida's a bucket since homegirl was on campus. Like it was a thing. Do not let her mm. get off a three. And I think LSU had to learn that the hard way mm. earlier yeah. in the season. And somebody like Quay watching her growth from Washington mm. to now being with you guys for a few years. Tell me a little bit about what each of them bring to the team that make you guys as a whole so great because it looks like they all buy in to their role on the team as everybody does. Mm -hmm. And like Quay, she going to get you a three. She going to get to her little right-hand lay and she's added the left. Like there's Mm -hmm. so much, there's so much going on with everybody. So tell me a little bit about what makes your team so special because of some of those players. Yeah, like I said earlier, it's really pick your poison. But to mm-hmm. the point of what makes us special, I think is the unselfishness of we don't care who night it is as long as we win. And I think yeah. that could be a testament to everybody on this team has had a crazy night. Like, mm-hmm. I know Frida, LSU, or Aronette, who's pretty been big every night. Yeah, <laughs> multiple games. <laughs> or Quay, who had double doubles and it's just like yeah you, just steady. you just you just don't really it's like who do you take away because you can't mm-hmm. take away everybody um even yeah. our uh tam who is a driver who's mm-hmm. aggressive kendall who's like a pesk and just gonna get after you all day and kendall just yeah. doesn't care she's just she's gonna be there <laughs> um yeah Maddie, who's a shooter. Sarah Rose Smith, mm-hmm. who transferred from Mizzou, who's just like steady Eddie. You just you rebound mm-hmm. like crazy rebounders. Sarah, Sarah is probably one of the best rebounders I've ever seen at her size. So I think that part is just what makes us special is genuinely we don't care. As long as we win, as long as, you know, we do our jobs and we come out successful. I don't care who at 30. <laughs> we won. Yeah. I mean, I think that's what makes the best teams are the ones who are have that unselfishness at the core. And then that team chemistry with trust and respect, like you talking about, allows you to be who you guys are. Mm-hmm. I think a little bit more about just Colorado as a whole. I feel like there's a different vibe on campus these days. I remember when we used to come to Colorado 
Jalen, there were not that many people at the games. Mm-hmm. But nowadays, like with, you know, you got Dion there and the whole football thing has changed. But then it's also men's basketball is doing better, women's sports, you guys going to the tournament last year. Do you feel like there's a different type of vibe, more energy at your games, more yeah. just like energy from fans, more stuff like that heading into this last season at Colorado? Yeah, yeah. I mean, our Utah game was the highest crowd we've had in a couple years. And I think it's just a testament, like I said, to the program and the work. And people are, you know, starting to respond to that and see that for themselves, that this team is pretty good and we got to come out. Yeah. And and support them. Overall, like campus, campus is different. But I think one thing that I would say I've, our athletic department has done a good job of is we really do support each other. Like we really, mm-hmm. like the men come to our games, we go to their games. I mean, after the Utah game, I went to our men's game against Washington State and our men point guard dropped 34 points and it was his career mm-hmm. high. And just being able, you know, to celebrate that moment with him and and being able to, you know, really have that friendship to where you can genuinely be happy for one another and know the work that each other puts in to support one mm-hmm. another is important, especially I think from an overarching perspective of looking at men supporting women's sports. Mm-hmm. I think that's just really huge that, you know, I I think a couple of us have that relationship to where we can really say that we genuinely support each other and know what each other goes through. So that makes it yeah. all the more sweeter. And so I think, yeah, that that's one thing that we do do a good job on campus is having outside. Like, I even know, like, yesterday we got back, our practice players, they always, like, they hosted study sessions during finals week, and some of us were hanging out with them. Mm-hmm. And so just being able to bond with other people, too, makes your life easier because you don't have just yeah. the people that you see every day. Every day, your, all the time. Being your, you know— <laughs> only friends which can yes because you get you know what i mean we we spend time together it's we a lot it. it's like i love you yeah well, i love you yeah, but I need, I need a change of scenery here and there so yes no you know, i, think, I think we do do a good job overall yeah i think what's so special about the college athletics scene is being able to have friends with different sports yeah and you can relate to them but like you know tell me about your practice you can vent to me i'm going to do the yeah, same and, thing and it's like way. they have no idea what practice look like you can just come clean oh, get no it off idea. your chest yeah nobody has no yes. biased opinions it's just like <laughs> you don't even know what i'm talking about so yeah I can just it's come so good yeah, it makes it it makes it nice Oh, I completely agree. Like some of my best friends were on football and I would go to their games just to be like, did you play well? I don't know, <laughs> but it was fun to go. It was great. Right. right. Uh, but it's it's great. So heading into our last two sections here, we have one. I did a little bit of background research on you. Oh, so it's going to be, it's going to be, I'm going to give you three items and then you got to let one go, which one you're going to cut. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. okay. So we'll do a simple one first, just like a game day routine. Okay. So you got to- Cut one of these three. You got pregame meal, shoot around, and warm up music. Shoot around. Yeah, dumb. But they can, only because go. in the pack we play at 12 on Sundays. So yeah, shoot around so that's at early. o'clock is just crazy, crazy. Yeah, I don't need that in my life. Yeah, so I um, only say that for that part because I, I definitely okay. could take the sleeping in to maybe nine, eat, and then come straight to the gym for the game. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So then next question is very specific to you. We got Legos, Greek mythology, <laughs> and Shakespeare. <laughs> Which one are oh, you dropping? Wow. Yeah. I got to let go for good. Let, like, like, yeah, let go for the foreseeable future. 
Uh, definitely not Legos. I have three downstairs that I okay am about to start, so I can't. I can't let that go yet. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay i would say shakespeare but it can go yeah only because i have a quote tatted on me so it's always with me forever mm-hmm. even if i let it go so the loophole. um yeah i would say shakespeare because greek mythology is okay. just it's so much to unpack like you've never done it all yeah so it's just so much yeah. more to learn and, but shakespeare is already on me forever so i i, I mm-hmm. would feel confident in being okay with letting i think that was our hardest that's our hardest question all day. It was what it seems yeah. like. That one got you. It got you. And then our last one on this topic is we got shoes. We got dunks, Jordan ones, or Uggs. Jordan ones, high tops? In general, both. You're losing both. I would say Uggs. I would say Uggs. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I would say Uggs. Dang, even in Colorado, I know it's cold. Yeah, but I mean, you'll find a Crocs, way. Crocs, Crocs, cameras. Fuzzy socks. Yeah, you got we, can, we, can get, we can get some warmth in there somewhere. Okay. Okay. So heading to our last section, the vibe check. It's going to be rapid fire. Oh, so we've had some guests. Some guests are horrible. Some guests are great. So I believe in you. You're. I hope you're going to be on the okay. great side. Okay. Here we go. What's the drill you never want to see on the practice plan? Pissed and passing. Oh, no is it like full court or something? No. It's like, <laughs> I don't know how to explain it. It's like passing. It's a full court passing drill that comes with layups. And oh, were you just going in a loop? Is it Yeah, that but it's two teams. So you have white team, black team, and it's like yes, six players yes. on the court. And you have to get like I know six exactly with the heavy about. ball, six without it, and then 12 with the heavy ball, 12 without it. And it's like 30 seconds for each, and then 12, a minute for the 12s. And I just have had – my teammates are going to laugh – I had a terrible experience with that. And it was Uh-oh. just, yeah, it was not good. It was not good. It was not fun. And we recently <laughs> put that drill in this year. We haven't did it as much as we did last year. So I'm crossing my fingers uh-huh. that that stays the case. But I'll send up some praise for you. And if Coach Jay okay. hears this, she, matter of fact, Coach Jay can go. I'm going to send it to him. <laughs> Coach, he knows how much I hate that drill. We'll send you a clip. Just a little okay. clip. Okay. Um, would you rather have a game-winning shot or a game-winning steal? Steal. Okay. And one or three-pointer? And one. Off the court, go-to sneaker? Uh, Go-to, I would have to say um, my my red dunks. Okay. Yeah. Okay. A classic. A group TikTok or a solo TikTok? Neither. Neither. I know. You're not really a TikTok. Not at all. Okay. They, I'm trying, uh, they're trying to get this place. into it, though. Oh, I I hope they do. I want to see you in some. <laughs> Toughest place to play on the road? Mikhail. <laughs> Mikhail, yeah. Or like when, when Sabrina and them were there, Oregon with Oregon the shout, that was tough. Oregon was crazy. Yeah, Oregon Very stuff. scary. <laughs> Who's the biggest trash talker? That I've ever played or that's in a pack? Yeah. Oh, that I've ever played, hands, it can, hands down, is Caitlin Clark <laughs> that I've ever played. Okay, okay. Um, and then what about in the pack? Cameron Brink. <laughs> Okay, and then we got hardest player to guard. I got to shout out Ty Skinner. She's not playing at Arizona State right now. She um, oh my god, a bucket. She is a problem. She's a problem. A problem. And yes, yeah. I don't, that girl doesn't get the put her on the um on the on oh, the sleeper yeah, on the sleeper that list. Yes, good. that girl is good. She's and so good. She's a problem. <laughs> yeah, she's a problem. she is. Scouting her is hard, yeah. and then even just executing it. Cause Horrible. she just she's so quick like like it's fast yeah. but then you have quick and she's quick mm-hmm. 
She and, is quick. It's crazy. So yeah, Ty Skinner definitely gets some love for me because that's a good fried. one. That's a good one. Okay, what's your biggest basketball ick? My biggest basketball ick. I really hate the road shorts, road jersey look. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um. Like one, like one world is cool, but when it's like too much, yeah. Like when they just, I don't know. Like when you tuck them mm. in and stuff, I just don't like that. Mm. The diaper pants, yeah. not for you. My girlfriend's gonna kill me because <laughs> she's one of them. <laughs> I'm weak. Okay, um, who's your basketball goat? Candace Parker. I gotta give it to okay. her. Yeah. She okay. Set okay. Do you have a? What'd you say? I just think she set the tone and really yeah. brought a lot of like attention to women's basketball okay i agree that's that's a good pick that's a good pick do you do you have a celebrity lookalike have you been told you look like somebody i haven't (laughs) if somebody out there feels (laughs) differently let me know but i personally have somebody out there knows okay um and then now we need you to pick somebody on another team it could be someone that you played against someone who you have it to be your two-on-two teammate Mm, almost spoke too soon I would say Cameron Brink. I think our energy together okay. would be dangerous. Yeah, you two would have a lot of energy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, what's your favorite pregame hype song? Right now it's SCC by Young Thug because the beat just goes okay. really hard on that song. Yeah. Gotcha. Good. And then last question is your best impersonation of Coach J. I don't have an impersonation. If I could stand and show you, I would. But Coach, they trip over <laughs> invisible lines all the time. Like, Does she? And then they'll sit there and say, oh, it's a line right there and it's nothing. It's, she just tripped. Oh. And so oh, um, miss, if ma'am. I really I really could stand up and show you, I would. But Coach, they really does trip over lines. Like, it's her job. And I don't know why. Oh, God. <laughs> but, but it yeah. just gets her. Yeah. Oh, yeah, wow. It gets her okay, all the time. Well, every, every Coach once J. a day. <laughs> Yeah, Coach J, number one, cut piston layups. And number two, <laughs> work on your balance because yeah. what are we doing? Yeah. But Jalen, this has been so great. Thank you so much for coming on. No problem. No problem. It's fun. <laughs> and thank you to everybody for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of Sometimes I Hoop. Thank you. Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for listening to Sometimes I Hoop. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to follow me on Instagram at Haley.Jones, that's no I and Haley, and three S's in Jones, to get all the Sometimes I Hoop content. You can also watch the episodes on the Players Tribune YouTube page. Thanks again for all your support. The Players Tribune.com.